Seconds, I'm going to show you my drawing. Now, remember, you're not describing this drawing, you're pre associating on it just to keep us loose. Not that we're not loose enough, we're definitely loose enough. But let's, you guys ready? Yep. Yeah, you have both, whatever, just throw in what you see, okay? All right, here we go in three, two, one, go. Uh, idols and relics, uh, Sonic the Hedgehog. Sounds like description. Um, Bananarama. I'm taken back to Las Vegas where I was seeing Eiffel Towers and um, cool. other monuments and wondering if Vegas wished that it was any other city but Vegas. Oh, I, bet it does. <laughs> I, I wonder. Okay, well, that actually goes to our conversation because I'm, I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm actually, I think, I think Vegas is totally happy doing what it is. I've never been in Vegas. And I, oh, I, it's I'm a, pretty sure I don't want to go, honestly. It's not. It's, it's like, over the top. Yeah. Yeah. He was actually at the casino last night. I was. Oh, really? yeah. MGM. Yeah, I'm yeah. not a gambler either. You were ten they're, bucks, and I they're got... one of the corporations that has paid zero taxes in the last year. Isn't that interesting? Huh. Is that right? Economic boom. Yes. It's yeah. brought economic no. boom to the, to the spring, to so, Springfield. So, um, <laughs> tell them what you were doing though, because you were gaming the system with a communist bartender. I know. It was actually very. It was like the most non-traditional. So, if you sit at the the video bar and you put in money. Doesn't matter how much, five, ten bucks. You can sit there and just kind of slowly bleed out twenty-five cents on the video poker, but you get free drinks. So, cut to like three hours later, <laughs> we've just been doing that. But we've we're also bantering with a communist bartender uh-huh. who is working at MGM. Are you going to get somebody fired? No, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, because the people who run MGM are like, that's excellent. I love that. We have a hipster communist at the bar. <laughs> well, so this is the, perfect for our 25 cent crowd. So the funniest moment is that he's telling me that I'm a, uh, so I'm a well-regulated capitalist. I think everybody's, yes, we I've told that. everybody that. We know that's but the name of your he memoir. Was arguing <laughs> that I was a com- he was arguing that I was a communist. Uh, in mid-argument, mid he goes, uh, you need to put more money in the machine in order to get more drinks. Uh. <laughs> so they're in this like heated like communist debate and everything. And he's like, and by the way, you need to put more. So how did <laughs> he feel about being communist the in a casino? Uh, d- how did he rectify it? Yeah. It was basically uh, it, it, if he wasn't there, somebody else would be. Oh, type geez, thing. that argument. It was also yeah, kind of, uh, they actually just right. unionized we all play that at way. MGM. Oh, nice. So that was cool. Okay. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Now, so is he, he was like a revolutionary like communist? Did he do it? He was the one who unionized them? Uh, no, he wasn't the one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but he was like really into the union and stuff. So he probably played some sort of role in that. But um, what was what was the question? How, how does he kind of rectify that? Or Well, no, was he a revolutionary that? communist? What do you mean? In, in like, is he want a communist like revolution, or oh, is yeah. he more like historical Marxist? No, kind of both. Like, a little bit of both. Both. Because but I, I would have, say a I radical have, revolution. He said Bernie Sanders is, is not left enough for him. Yeah. <laughs> I have, I'm a big He's fan cool of dude. Marx in terms of analysis, you know. Mm-hmm. And I actually think Marx will get a, a big boost in the next century. I think it's conceivable mm-hmm. that, like, the historical Marx that talks about— and remember, let's remember, because this is relevant to the conversation, that what historical Marx says is that industrialization will get just so good at what it does that scarcity will go away. And when scarcity goes away, class distinctions become much less relevant. You enter socialism because, 
like people aren't really fighting over goods. Like that's the historical Marx. Revolutionary Marx says, no, we got to make this happen right now because the capitalists will never let this happen. And we know that there's always scarcity in our society because if it's not food, then it's your phone or, or, or whatever. Oh, yeah. You know, there's like man- manufactured scarcity, mm. identity scarcity, or I don't know how else we want to yeah. call it. Status, mm-hmm. status scarcity. All right, so we are, so I am more afraid of Brave New World. You guys are both more afraid of 1984. Okay. Um, I have to say, in the film 1984, you know, part of that's a love story, 1984. He actually falls in love. And the it's probably the most sensual, <laughs> just want to be careful here. <laughs> <laughs> We're on the radio. It's, it's not, I didn't say erotic. Um, <laughs> it's the most. It's it's the most powerful love story I've ever seen in film, hmm. partly because the level of deprivation that they had been living in is so extreme that when they're just allowed to be soft and intimate with one another, it's really powerful and moving. Hmm. And I guess that's the other thing. So this is the other aspect that scares me about Brave New World. And and you mentioned about they have to keep coming up with new sports. We know that they <laughs> that's this really great the example. Part. <laughs> well, the, in a way, because we know that the human body, like anything, is homeostatic. And so if you give it more pleasure, like the opioid crisis, it it's it starts not being able to find pleasure. So I'm more of an Epicurean, like classic Epicurean, in the sense that if I'm going to find pleasure, it's usually when I'm austere and I pull back from um, luxuries that I find pleasure because then I find pleasure in the simple things. The Brave New World thing seems, uh, and and here's one argument against Brave New World, is that it's actually not possible because you're going to be constantly playing a game of catch up with people's endorphins. You know, you'll give them what they want. And then they'll get used to that. That'll be the new. We see this with very wealthy people. That not all of them, but some of them, play an endless game of chasing, chasing the dragon of joy. Right. Isn't yeah. that a problem with Huxley's analysis? Well, he starts to hint at that, right? Where they, at the end of the book, they like go to a place that's like wild and uncurated, right? Like somewhere in New Mexico. Huh. Um, but I think I don't know. It's like you still have the opportunity within all of that decadence, and we see this with people now, you know, like the, these really wealthy people get really into like meditation and practices of discipline. Right. Right. So like his world is one where they're not doing that. But I think for people who aren't just like overworked and seeking to numb themselves outside of that, people who are really just like overflowing with opportunities do find ways to moderate that. to, to, To live an austere life. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's at the, the like total far end of the right. the, the journey. Yeah, There's a lot of a lot of Cheetos between that <laughs> <laughs> and sitting in Flaming an ashram. But we we often talk about cults and stuff like that mm. as as a, as a way of moderating. And I I actually I go to New Mexico every year. There's a very austere one week long thing. It's part of the Sikh American Sikh community okay. Yogi Bhajan. And it's the best week of the year, and it's very austere, but it's very communal. You know, it's mm. just the way everyone's working, and it has a lot of communal aspects. It's just a week, but boy, I love it. It really cleans out my system. So then that's a luxury of mine that I can fly all the way to – it's actually in New Mexico mm. – and do that. Um, what's the wiggle room in Brave New World? How do you escape Brave New World? I, I just – this is this – is, because you, and you I'm, want really, to I'm kind of looking at, oh, you don't want to escape? Do you, you know? Yes, I guess that's the whole point. It's a dystopian novel. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, yes, I mean, do you want to escape? escape do you want to escape in 1984, too? Yes. Like, I mean, do you, though? 
Yes. I keep saying yes. These are dystopian <laughs> novels. Yeah, but this is That's at point. some point you you if, think about like just the animal world, right? There's a gazelle that is running away and there's a lion that jumps on its I back. I cannot wait it to just, see where this is going. It just stops and lays down. If does. you have that much uh, pinning of you from a system, you are going to stop and lay down. But that's what's better and about you're going to try to make the best of it. That's what's better about 1984 is at least you're aware of your submission. Mm. If you're telling me that submission is a cornerstone of happiness, I'm, I'm, I'll, I'm, I'll go with you. That to, to recognize that you're in many ways powerless is... I, th- I really do think that triggers endorphins and, and whatever it's, dopamine. It's a weird bastardized humility, but yeah. Whatever they talk about yeah. You know, <laughs> you know, they're always talking about xylophone, xylopies in your brain and stuff. If you're saying <laughs> that, here's brain. the pro. You guys ever listen to Radio Lab? I love Radio Lab. Uh, it's over edited. Chad Abumrod. That's totally over edited. They're like, here comes the. Uh... Yeah, it's just like it's, it's just like all these like weird much. sound effects. It's cool. I I like it, but listen, the problem is, is that you, your gazelle in Brave New World never knows the lions on their back. Yeah. So why why would you want to leave that? That's my point. I don't. I don't know. I think in the way that we live in the brave new world, I think we are seeing that rebellion of people against this like life of placation. You know, okay. I think people are searching for meaning and they feel disconnected. I think that's the big thing: the disconnection. Like what you were saying, you go to New Mexico and it's austere, but community, and that's where people like when you're getting all your needs met. There's needs met. There's less <laughs> of a need um, for community, yeah. and then we actually need community and we start to realize that, that but i think right. i think r- realistically where, where brave new world isn't realistic is people will realize that this isn't working for them actually but then the, okay so that's cool cool thought so and i think that we can probably agree that there isn't like a force behind the brave new world that we're in that there's multiple market forces at play and it's not like brave new world i think in brave new world it's like a very conscious governmental system that's mm. doling out these drugs and stuff like that. I don't right? know if I agree. I think no. we live in a, a consumptive society and that's our, that's our drive. It's capitalism is our driving force to placate people and keep them buying. Okay. So agreed. Yeah. But Laura, I'm just trying to say that you feel like that people are and will kind of wiggle out of this brave new world because eventually they're going to get fatigued by it. But that's a dystopia. That's a system that's not working by Huxley's standards. Huxley, Mm. I think, would say, like, well, obviously they're not doing a good enough job if people are wiggling out of it. Mm. Right. I see. I think he alludes to people wanting to wiggle out of it, though. He does. Yeah, he doesn't get into it in the book because that would be more work. (laughs) (laughs) I think that whenever you you – create something that then becomes the status quo and you have something that even if it's some sort of happiness that remains relatively stagnant you want to opt for whatever the alternative is if that makes sense so the if you have something that is repeatedly it's like fashion i mean where do you derive your kind of happiness in the trends that happen in fashion fashion is something that's ever evolving and that's coming back and it's swinging in you can think about that for a lot of different things when it comes to to happiness happiness is is very at the at the heart of it it's subjective in nature so if you have something that you're seeing that it becomes the status quo for happiness well maybe there's better the grass is maybe greener on the other side and so you start, even if it's something that is true, truly happy, you're going to see if there's other alternatives and you might come back to it, but mm-hmm. you're kind of like just doing this yo-yo or pendulum swing for what that subjective happiness is. I mean, I would argue that happiness is growth. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they, in Prozac, when they first released Prozac in the 90s um, as an antidepressant drug, they found out that it worked, but it only worked after like five or six weeks mm-hmm. or, or like two or three months. And they were very puzzled because they were like, well, if this thing works, it should work right away. It's supposed to release serotonin in the brain. So, But what ended up happening is it worked. Serotonin was released because what Prozac actually did was allow the brain to build more proteins, like to literally grow. And so it was the growing of proteins that led to the release of serotonin. Mm -hmm. So I would argue, and I think you're talking a little bit like this, is that there's got to be room for variance and growth for us to be happy, new challenges that we meet, that that we're really unhappy is when we're kind of flatlining. And I guess that's what scares me about Brave New World. Like, that's the picture I imagine, Mm -hmm. is a kind of flatlining luxury. Like, that... That turns my stomach. That makes me really worried. And I've been around money enough that I know that there's some truth to that, actually, that, you know, that people build a tolerance to novelty and excitement that can be really quite damaging. Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, and I think in a different way, like the Internet has done that to people where it's Mm -hmm. like, what information can you give, like kind of like on an edgelord basis, like what information can you give somebody to shock them anymore? You know, like we've all had access to literally every piece of information that could possibly Mm -hmm. come our way. And people are desensitized Desensitized. and they don't like it either. They're like, I want to be sensitive, but it's it's over for me. You know, I don't know. I've experienced that. I think that's really true. Yeah. And the fact that you can watch Christmas specials whenever you want, like there's no sense of spe- uniqueness. Mm. That is to say everything is on demand and there is a loss there to be sure. Right. Yeah. I was thinking about that listening to the radio. I was like, you know, there's this weird joy you get when like a song you love comes oh, right. on the radio. Yes. That's distinct from being like, I'm going to just play this right now. Oh, right. Yeah. Like just yeah. being like, I have Spotify. I can play any song I ever want to hear at any time. But when it just comes on the radio, you're, it sparks this joy for you. Absolutely. that you can't. It's But why? Why is it better when it happens like that versus really when you question. engineer it? It's not any different, really, right? Like, I don't know. That's it a really good question. Actually, it reminds me of, uh, I learned that, like, it, it's more pleasurable to eat a sandwich. That, I don't know if this is going anywhere. It's more pleasurable to eat a sandwich that you didn't make. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And it's because in the process of making the sandwich, yes. you smell everything. And it's, so it's, like, it, not fresh you know sensory experience huh. in the same way so there's like actual science behind that it's not just some like weird misogynistic thing right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um i don't know if that's no, related I, to, to, to that thing. no but Sometimes. it's all about um and well i'll let you jump in here for a second and yeah. just a second <laughs> no i think what you're saying is and we're talking about now the science of in, of like joy the mm. science of endorphins mm. like it, there is a science you're a science expert right and you want to just quickly promote your show yeah um, if you're, you're interested that. in learning more about the research happening at UMass um, with a little bit of a comedic spin yep. you can listen to my uh, radio show and podcast Lab Talk with Laura every Wednesday 4.30 to 5.30 and also available on any podcast app that you use and this is the kind of topic this kind of goes right into science doesn't it I mean yeah there's there's a lot of aspect of science there's here. a lot of fuzzy boundaries in science you know where we yeah. think like we know a thing and then the closer you get to the thing you know the less true it oh, seems yeah, you definitely. know and that's one of the paradoxes that we're still dealing with all the oh, time yeah. Yeah. it doesn't end now Waylon you have one second <laughs> <laughs> well okay <air> cut. <laughs> let's move on <laughs> uh just going back to that idea of the song coming on the radio it's this weird complex situation sometimes i'll listen to pandora i have spotify premium so i can listen to anything Ooh, i want look at right? you. i know Ooh. look at that half price if you're a student yeah by the way you know? spotify's if you like a song 
Go to the song radio. That's that's the, what I do all the time. Okay. It is that is actually really cool because then you. I'm sorry, did I just totally take? What <laughs> well, no, no, no. That that actually plays into what I'm going to yeah, say. So exactly. sometimes, even though I have Spotify Premium, I put on Pandora because I can't see <laughs> the lesser. What's, yeah, yeah, yeah of course. Like, let's just get that out of the way, okay? <laughs> I didn't know they were still operating. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, this is the thing. I can't see what the next song is. I have had an algorithm make that decision for me. Yeah. So to what degree am I deriving that happiness from a decision that is not in my hands anymore, similar to the radio? And to what degree does that all fall apart because we th- that the, the government or the system in place or whatever we're working in has made all of the decisions for us that, you know, it's, it's relaxing sometimes. To, like we, when we talk about cults. Sometimes you want that out of your hands, and sometimes you want to be um, uh, executive decisions to be made for you. The problem is, it's a slippery slope when all of a sudden you don't have any agency over the ability to sure. say that those um, those decisions are being Agreed. made for you. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. We're not really tackling 1984. We're tackling Brave New World a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That is to say, um, and I felt the other way too, where it's like, wow, I'm really sick of listening to the radio. Like, oh, yeah. my song comes on once every. 40 songs is terrible. Yeah. You know, I can't listen to this. I'm going to go back to listening to my Spotify. And then I'm listening to the same 80 songs I've been listening to since I was in freshman in high school. You know, oh, know these, are the, these are your top songs for 2019, note. the year that you're still in. I'm going to listen to all of the songs that I just listened to over and over. It's and, like, and it's interesting because I find myself getting impatient with Pandora or even Spotify song. And it's like that self-selection process doesn't allow you to let new stuff in a lot of the time unless it's really good. I mean, that is my YouTube feed is really quite good now, I have to say. That that whatever algorithm they're running, I definitely get a lot of stuff on my front page where I'm like, oh, that looks perfect. But now we're also kind of isolating ourselves into what we like. Mm. And this is a separate episode that I want to do is self-selection. That would be a good one to have you on too, Laura, because there's a scientific aspect to that, right? Mm. Self-selecting and, and the dangers of, and scientifically, you know, the dangers of too much self-selection is leads to genetic weaknesses and, mm. you know, the potato famine and stuff like that. Right. Um, so... So you're just happy. Waylon's just happy. I'm scared. <laughs> this sounds right. I'm the bumbling dimwit that's just walking around that's like, right. oh, give me more pills. That's right. And I'm definitely scared. And Laura, where are you? Uh, I don't know. I um, Stuck I definitely don't feel... No- yeah, I feel like I'm always like trying to figure out solutions to things. Yeah. You know, I'm like constantly thinking about these problems and figuring, trying to figure out if there are solutions, which I'm like, obviously, I have no power over any of these things, but... Well, here's a question for you guys. You know, I watched the conventions last time, both conventions. Um, I have to say the Democratic convention made me feel like break into a very cold sweat mm. <laughs> because I just thought, oh, my God, this is this is scary. You know, it was so out of, out of control for so much of it. The first couple of days where people were yelling people down, I just thought I really would like to see a little bit more unity here. That's just the way I felt about it. Wait, so are you talking about during the presidential? I'm talking yeah. 2016. Yeah, okay. And then the Trump's uh, convention and the optics that he used that then and probably still, uh, they really, I wonder if they're consciously Orwellian. Like the one, the convention was had a really, really Orwellian stage set. I mean, it was interesting. I mean, the whoever does the optics on Trump stuff is—I can't tell if they're consciously trying to imitate that or not. 
I've heard that he's a big fan of Hitler, honestly, that okay. he, he's read Mein oh, Kampf um, and that he's following a lot of that playbook. Mm. And I was listening to something about concentration camps Wait, on WMUA, are you actually. sure he read the book? <laughs> I don't yeah. know. He keeps the, it in his nightstand. I've heard that. that. I don't know how true that is. might be the audio book. But, um, a lot of, title. He's already lost. A lot this of is... the strategy he's taken as president does really mirror the rise of fascism mm-hmm. in Germany and the desensitization of the population to these really bizarre and extreme and violent and and constantly changing um, uh, violations of your population, um, Mm -hmm. especially the most marginalized people. And, And a big part of that is desensitizing. So like in Germany, they did this thing where they like, there was like one night they went out and destroyed all of these like Jewish, Jewish businesses and, you know, synagogues and, and, and nobody in the world responded. And that was like them testing, you know? Yeah. You're like, so like, let's ban Muslims, see how people respond. You know, it's all like testing and pushing the boundaries the same way like in an abusive relationship somebody yeah. would do, you know? Like, right. how much can I get away with? That's and slowly desensitize kind of the frog in the hot water kind of actions. And yeah. so I, I feel very alarmed by the rise of fascism in this country and globally. Mm-hmm. And I'm constantly like, what do we do as people to like fight against this? Well, that is a really good question. I, I don't think whatever's been done so far has been very effective, in my opinion. Like, uh, it worries me because I do think it's the gaslighting playbook where yeah. what ends up happening is, is that there's the gaslighter and then they turn other people into gaslighting, you know, and, and, yeah. then the, and then everyone in the middle, because there's so much gaslighting going on, are like, well, I'll just go with the original gaslighter because he, seems, he or she seems like the authority here. Right. Like they've they've set the game and they they're promising more stability and so whatever is going on. By the way, just a quick uh, semi advertisement. There's a podcast called Gravy Drain, which is about Tom Ford. I think his name is Tom Ford. Remember the mayor from Toronto who smoked crack cocaine? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and, and it's a legend. Oh, you don't? You should check <laughs> no, that podcast No, this is coming back out. to me. It's yeah. coming back. But yeah, and he it was um, like Boris Johnson meets crack. <laughs> Was he like, was. He was in Canada. In, in, yeah, Canada. in Canada. But the the podcast has its weaknesses, and I actually think one of its weaknesses is telling. But it basically says that this guy was Trump way before Trump. And, mm. and there's a lot of parallels that you can really see that you can say that. But it's um, the, the tone of the podcast is kind of sanctimonious. And it's kind of like, guys, this is, this is the problem, is that you keep getting shocked. Like, you getting shocked is not what we should be doing right now. That's not, you don't want to get shocked by this stuff because like just recently, uh, uh, Representative Dingell, did you see that? Trump insulted, uh, her husband had been the longest living congressperson for a long time. She's mm. taken over his seat and he made some kind of insult against uh, her, her husband and she took great offense. And mm. I'm just like, why would you take great offense at the president? Like you're a Democratic Congressperson, why, why, why have that mm. reaction? Why would you care? Like, why would you be like, I'm deeply wounded by what the president has said? Really, you're deeply wounded by what the president has said? Like to me, that that's just like I don't know. It feels out uh, of touch. I I disagree. I mean, you get, you just have to call. I think for the historical record, you need to you need to express your sentiments on every single reactionary thing that that has happened. Mm. Now, I'm not saying that that needs to be the 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 action that you take, and that's it. But you need to realize that when we look back on this craziness that we're going through in history, that you need to but this is be the looking threat, at the Waylon. effects and consequences this of these words. This is the threat, and, is that you're things. always reacting. Right. You're always reacting. You're never getting ahead. This is what gaslighting does to people. 
they end up looking crazy because they're only reacting to the other yeah, person. Yeah, but can't that, that reaction be galvanizing, the cops show too? Up, the cops show up at the house, and you're the one who seems crazy, and the gaslighter's like, I don't know what's going on. Right. They just seem crazy. I don't know right. what happened. Well, so you have to be strategic. Like, I, I see what both of you are saying. Like, yeah. you can't just let yes. that pass without acknowledging that it was messed up, but right. you also can't let that be your entire focus. Yes. You have to. I think that's You have it. to come at it with yeah. an equal amount of strategy. And I think that's another thing we've seen is that, like, the Republican Party has been incredibly strategic over a mm-hmm. long period of time right. and we're seeing like them re- reap the fruits of that right right um you're talking carl rove and super yeah, districts yeah, super absolutely. conservative district gerrymandering absolutely yeah yeah and local government judges local yeah. government local yeah. government, state government has been the focus there all right then we're going to be wrapping it up in just a minute um last words I'm going to go ahead and live in 1984 land, and (laughs) I'm going to wiggle out of that because I am going to rise up in the ranks of the Ingsoll regime, and I am going to try to ameliorate the situation slowly through my power. Okay, Waylon? I'm doing the same, uh, to to be quite honest. If I was living in this society, I'm doing the same thing. But I'm probably indoctrinated into the system and <laughs> rising the ranks and actually making it more sophisticated and stronger. That's it. That's it. That's your problem. You're making it worse for everybody. I just made it worse. You're making it worse for everybody, but you're having a good time. Um, Laura, what are you going to do? Yeah, I'm gonna going to opt into Brave New World. Okay. I'm going to be a gregarious Soma distributor. Okay, good. <laughs> good. 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 I think that would work out. Good, good. Well, listen, um, never has this closing music ever been more appropriate our father john missed it closing you know speaking of apocalyptical people this guy cannot write a song that is not related to the apocalypse pure comedy go listen to that oh man it's just he's just so musically brilliant and and i love his stuff and it's it makes me feel very unnerved so plans for the weekend waylon plans for the weekend i am watching football i'm in two championships for a fantasy football teams and i am ready to go Big money on the line. After you blew big, your, after big props you, on the line. After you blew your first commissionership, did a terrible job. Okay. If I were to quote Norm, winning is okay, but I hate losing. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's why I want to live in 1984. Okay. Laura, what's your plans for the weekend? I have a, a joint birthday party to go to tonight, and it's going to be like a Pose-style cool. ball. I don't know if you know the show Pose, but it's about like... Huh. Dressing up and posing. Cool. That sounds <laughs> right. Is it your birthday? No. Okay, cool. Well, have a great time. That sounds yeah. like fun. Let's see. What am I going to do? I'm going to go over to Hatfield tonight and they light the Christmas tree over there. Cool. It's actually a pretty cool thing. It's, anyways, this is pre recorded, so don't show up tonight because <laughs> <laughs> there won't be anyone there. All right, guys, we wish you the happiest time you can have in a dystopian, apocalyptical world. I, I, I have the feeling that it may get worse, and then it might get better, and then it might get worse again, and it might get better, and that somehow, as long as we're keeping the discussion open, we'll be okay sitting by the campfire. Thanks for joining us. This is our new time, Tuesday between 1 and 2, late lunch for everybody. Have a great week. We'll see you next week. <laughs>